During the initial days of COVID, as most of you know, everything shut down. Restaurants were either completely closed or were only working at parcel capacity, only filling takeout orders. Doctors' offices went virtual for a lot of their normal checkups. Government offices, they were closed too. The list goes on. During that same time, houses of worship also had to get creative with their congregations. A lot of them turned to streaming services. Others turned to podcasts. Those are the ways they were able to pass along their word to people who would normally be attending in person. For the most part, aside from the occasional technical glitches, all went well and people were still able to worship just in the comfort and safety of their own home. Most churches have kept up doing that, at least to some degree, to this day, having a mix of live in-person and online services. But for one synagogue in the small town of Colleyville, Texas in January of last year, a major incident happened, and it was all live-streamed for the world to see. Welcome back to Music City 911. I believe we're on an online service and someone is in our synagogue yelling at the rabbi obscenities. It's in Congregation Congregation Beth Israel in Colleyville. Please get someone there. Is it the Beth Israel Temple on Pleasant Run Road in Colleyville? Yes, it is. Okay, is this a live feed that you can see? Or it's on the, let me tell you, there is, uh, there's, uh, we cannot see, the Bema is at the back of the synagogue, I can only hear that someone is screaming obscenities at the rabbi, and he's not coming back on, we're in the middle of a service, it sounds like a situation that the rabbi is being aggressively harassed. Okay. And so you are, I've got officers on the way, but you are not at that location. You're watching or listening. No, I am. Hold on, let me finish my question, please. You're listening to this online, and you can hear it through the the Internet service you're listening to it on? Yes. And what's your name? My name is, in the chat, people are very concerned about what's happening. Okay, and what's a good phone number for you? My number's... Okay, hold on just one second. Could you ever see the rabbi before this started and he left the street? Yes. Okay. Yes. He and he we're in the middle of the service, so he's supposed to be up there. It's now been a situation for over five minutes. This man is screaming at him. You need to get someone. They're already on the way. Okay, thank you. Is there anybody else at the congregation other than the rabbi and this man that you're aware of? I, 
I, I don't know, but someone just said, I hope they hurry because it sounds like a very escalated situation. Okay. Can you hear what he's saying other than just curse words? Is he making threats towards him at all? or? It, it's, it's very hard to hear, but I could hear obscenities. He was yelling at the rabbi. I don't know what's going on because I can't see it, and the, the, um, and the rabbi hasn't been back. It says I'm going to fuck him up. That's what I just heard. Okay. He hasn't said a name or anything at all? N no. It's, I don't know who it is. I can't see anything. All I know is that there's a person in the back who's screaming at the rabbi. Okay. Is that screaming or is that a dog? That's a dog at okay. my house. My okay. husband is coming home. I do have officers on the way there, um, so I'll go ahead and disconnect with you, but if I need to reach you back, can I call you at the... Yes, okay. please. I've got them on the okay. way there. There's one that just checked on scene. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. At the moment with this one, it's just a disorderly person. Someone who's gotten the shirts and is causing some sort of ruckus. This actually happens more than you think. For whatever reason, people go into churches every once in a while and they'll start some stuff up. But with this one, I'll provide a bit of background after a bit more info is gained. As a dispatcher, obviously this is the first we're hearing about it. But at this point, you have someone inside of a church who is creating at minimum a disturbance. Sounds like he's cussing. He somehow drew the rabbi away from the microphone and is possibly shouting threats too, all of which are off camera, but barely within range for the microphone to pick up. If you were sitting at home watching this, of course you'd be alarmed too. But then, calls start flooding into dispatch, all stating roughly the same thing. Viewers are concerned for both their rabbi and their place of worship. They don't really know what's going on either though. A little later on, after those other callers, the same woman we just heard on the call, she calls back in with some more information. Can I call 911? Yeah, I, I just called. I was calling about congregation back to Israel. It sounds like the man forced the rabbi into a room. I need to know if the police are going to be there, please. Okay, I've got officers on scene, and you said it sounds like he forced them into a room? It sounds like he forced the rabbi into a room. The rabbi has not come back. It's a very serious situation. No, I know. I've got, I've got officers on scene. They're just trying to figure out what's going on. So um, can you hear anything else now? No, now it's completely silent. The man, the, the man, oh, okay, the, rab, the rabbi looks like Everyone, he's back. Um, so I don't know how much of that you heard. The rabbi is but, up there. Um, the rabbi is back have, on the screen. We have a situation where someone um, is here. <laughs> I'm not moving. He said he's not moving. Okay. And has it's, someone has a gun to it? They someone has a gun, a gun and he wait, has wait. a bomb. Okay. Let me listen to him. Give him the panel. 
get on the scene and they're trying to gather info as well this caller who gets obviously pretty frantic in the middle of the call when she screams let me listen she is able to convey that this isn't just some run-of-the-mill angry person this is someone who has a gun and is claiming to have a bomb too the rabbi and anyone else that's there inside the building are being held by this gunman this just went from a disorderly person to a hostage situation something a lot of smaller town police departments aren't equipped to adequately handle on their own. There at the end of the call, we hear that the rabbi has called in as well. I have that call. Normally on the show, I play the call in its entirety. This one, I'm just not going to be able to do that. Not because of its content, but because from start to finish, the call is nearly an hour and 40 minutes long. What I will play is some of the most pertinent clips from the call, and I'll try to give a bit of context to those clips. I'm calling right now. 911, where's the emergency? Um, I'm in uh, Congregation Beth Israel yes. in Colleyville, 6100 Pleasant Run Road. Yes. We have officers. Um, 
Yes, uh, I've got someone who um, uh, has a gun, and he has. He says he has two bombs, um, and he's asking the police to move back. Okay, and who am I speaking with? This is Rabbi Charlie Citron Walker. Uh, Rabbi Charlie. Rabbi Charlie. Okay, I've got Rabbi Charlie on the phone. The gunman is saying the police need to back off. He's got a gun and they, two bombs. They're, they're communicating. They're communicating that now. Are they backing off? We just advised them. They, 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 at, he's saying that uh, the police should evacuate a 100-meter area. So the house is nearby, uh, next, door to the, uh, next door to the congregation. He's encouraging us to have people evacuated. He said he wants, he wants evacuation. The police need to back off a 100-meter radius, and he wants the houses around them evacuated. Yes. That's being communicated now. That's been, that's been communicated. Um, there are, uh, in addition to the gun, can I explain how many people are here? Um, in addition to the gunmen, uh, there are uh, four of us here in the synagogue uh, right now. Okay. The gunmen and four people. Yeah. There's a gunman and four people in the synagogue. I, I don't know the answer. I can't see. Um, well, no. So, um, have have the police pulled back? The gunman is asking. Yes, we have advised them. Yes, they've they've advised. So they've advised them. Uh, he says he says that he will pull the bomb if they don't pull back. He's saying that he will pull the bomb if they do not pull back. His words are that he loves death more than we love life. He said he loves death more than we love life. So he's encouraging the police to, he's demanding the police back off. She's, They're trying to back yeah. away now, sir. They're, they are backing off now. That's what he said. He's he said, she told me that they are backing off. Can, can, can you please allow Shane to leave? No? Okay. Wait, but let me, can, can I explain? Uh, I, Angel Bukdal, right, Rabbi Bukdal? She is a rabbi at a congregation. Get her on the phone. She's not the chief rabbi. We don't. Rabbi Charlie. I know. So, so what are you asking the rabbis to do? 
There's no one rabbi, there's no one main rabbi in America. Uh, rabbi Rick Jacobs is the head of the Union for Reform Judaism, but that's only one branch of Judaism. That's what I'm telling you is that I'm not sure. I, I, so uh, he's asking that we get the main rabbi in America on the phone. Okay, um, and I hear you're explaining that to him. No, I think that, I, I believe that they, the, the reason why we're hearing police cars is because they're, I'm, I'm assuming, it, please correct me if I'm wrong, is the reason why we're hearing police cars right now is because you're bringing police to help evacuate the area. Yes. Okay. And he's wanting the main rabbi, is that what, that's what you said? So there's, um, if it is possible to, uh, Rabbi Rick Jacobs is the head of the Union for Reform Judaism. Um, Rabbi Rick Jacobson? Rabbi Rick Jacobs. Jacobs. Um, there's, there's very little that, that, I'm trying to explain the limitations of the situation, but, wait, here, Ajax, Ajax. Can I can I approach? Can I come forward? Here's when when you have a gun, when you have a bomb, it is it it, it is it is very stressful. We're, we're trying we're trying to comply. I'm not a senior about you guys, I'm a medical, I'm a loose product, I'm not. I'm an intelligent man, I'm an authority person. No. Sorry, you are the other one. He's not there. He said he's the head of the area. He's going to call me. I'll call everything. So you better tell them to stay over here because I'll call everything. I'm going to go see the fucking Americans, okay? So they're going to stay the fucking way. It's all the gold in your phone. You're hearing that? I am not understanding all of it. I know he's saying to tell us to stay away. What is... The rabbi in this is trying to do a couple things. Trying to communicate with the dispatcher and also with the suspect. A really hectic situation to be in. You hear the suspect in the background spouting off. In this, we learn some actually pretty good info, though. If you're a dispatcher or a police officer on the scene... This is stuff you want to know. The suspect is wanting police to back off. Of course, this is nothing unique for a situation like this. Someone taking hostages doesn't want the police to wreck their plans. If you're a suspect in a crime, who's the last person you want to see? A police officer. The dispatcher was also able to gather that there are a total of five people inside. The suspect and the four hostages. This is a huge piece of info to have. If you can imagine, the building itself is pretty big. Up until this point, it might be questionable how many people are inside and how police would approach the situation 
and form a plan to get everyone out and how to deal with the suspect. If they were to have several hundred people on the inside, it would be much more difficult to form any sort of plan. At this point, they know the suspect has a gun. They've also been told that he has a bomb or multiple bombs. He's also making some threats in there too. But instead of talking too much about what he's saying in the background, he actually grabs the phone from the rabbi and starts talking to dispatch. What is his chief problem today? What is his chief problem? Hello, hello. Excuse me. Excuse me, dear. I'm sorry? Hello? Yes. Hello. Are you all right? Hello? How are hello, you yeah, today? Me. Yeah, I'm all right, my dear. Look, listen. How's the Everything okay, yeah? Everything's okay. Yeah, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Listen, I'm not a trigger-happy guy from America that's going to pull a bomb, right? I've got two fucking bombs. I'm a warfare taxi. I'm from Afghanistan, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you something now, yeah? You I don't want no one to get hurt. I'm going to tell you one thing now. Do you have Please the bombs? Have what? Do you have the bombs? I have three bombs here, my dear. You want to fucking test me? Come bring your fucking crew no, in the door and I'll know, fucking tell you what I'm I need to know what you need, sir. Okay, I'm going to tell you what I need. Listen to me. In the, in the next an hour and a half, New York, Brooklyn, 80% of Jewish people are going to die if you don't fucking comply. Six hours have slipped into your fucking country, okay? Six hours have slipped into your country. It's a fucking well-organized plan. Okay, what is One and a half hours, you comply. If you don't comply, I'm telling you, thousands of Jewish people are going to die. 80% will be Jewish. Brooklyn, middle of New York, I need, I need your chief rabbi on the fucking phone. That's all. I just got one little. I just want something off you guys, and guess what? I'm out of here. Okay. What do you need to be no religion. And what? another thing, I love I love Texas people so much. So you know what, my dear? If I've got to put this strap in this fucking bag and this bomb goes off, I want you to evacuate the area on a 25 meter radius. Evacuate the area. I don't want to kill no innocent people around here. Okay? okay. Evacuate the area. Please evacuate the area. What, I, I told the police that you want the area evacuated. What do you mean? Because I don't want to kill innocent people. If I've got to pull this strap and this bomb goes out, it's going to kill innocent fucking Texans around there. I love Texas people. Listen, so guess what? Evacuate the area. Take them out 25 miles. Get the fuck here. Get them off. May I ask you a question? You, yeah, you asked me a you, question. You said that if we do not comply, thousands of Jewish people will die. What are we you supposed to with? You need, you need, listen to me. You've got one hour. Get the chief rabbi. If, it, it needs a woman's touch this, right? It needs a woman's touch. If you can get Angela Bullshard, she's one of the rabbis. Get her on the phone from New York because it needs a woman's touch this because a fucking man. What if he blows it, if his fucking ego comes, listen, listen, the idea. I'm not a trigger happy guy. I've got enough ex ex magazines. I'm semi automatic automatic to fucking have a standoff with you. I love a standoff with you. I don't give a fuck about no one. Okay. I'm telling you, I love death more than you love life. I, I love death more than you fucking love life. So guess what? I'm not bothered about dying. So who, listen. I'm who is the rabbi you, in New York you want us to contact? I want to talk, I want to, talk to Angela Bullshard if possible. Bullshard? Listen. While getting this info as a dispatcher, we're looking for a few different things. In this case, how we can further identify the suspect. He has a very heavy accent. He sounds British, but there's something else there. Not just a normal British accent. Maybe like he's British, but maybe from somewhere else originally. Him saying that he loves death more than he loves life, that's also extremely concerning. A statement like this could be bad for himself or the hostages there. 
him also making threats against Jews in New York is also something to think about, though he is thousands of miles away. But even with that, is this man working with someone else or possibly even a team of other people? As I said before, this call, it's very lengthy. It lasts more than an hour and 35 minutes, almost an hour and 40. Most of which is just an open line where you can hear the suspect talking in the background. And a lot of that is just muffled and barely audible. According to the initial reports, the first officer arrived on the scene to find the doors locked. He was able to look inside and see a rabbi standing there, but not looking in the direction of the officer, even though he was knocking on the door and announcing himself as the police. Keep in mind, too, that when the initial call came in, it was simply a disorderly person. Nothing was said about weapons or any sort of hostage situation. When police got there, they knew nothing of any of that. While there at the door, though, dispatch devised the new information about the potential guns and bombs. At that point, the initial officer on the scene pulled back from the door and fitted himself with a rifle and a heavier bulletproof vest. He also had the other responding officers step up their response. Fearing that this may be indeed a hostage situation, they called for the SWAT team. Shortly after that, the local office of the FBI was notified and briefed the situation. From there, the FBI's HRT, or Hostage Rescue Team, of more than 70 people were mobilized and en route via plane from Virginia. Tensions were definitely mounting. Police on the scene, SWAT and FBI hostage rescue team on the way, and a suspect in the synagogue holding four hostages at gunpoint and threatening to detonate bombs and kill everyone. Rolling back with a lot further info on the suspect, if you were thinking the same thing I was during the part of the call when the actual suspect was on the phone, his accent certainly wasn't anything that's local to Texas where all this was happening. The suspect, 44-year-old Malik Akram, traveled to the U.S. from Britain approximately two weeks prior to this incident. Previous to this, he had lived there in Britain, and most of his life, he was in trouble one way or another. Early in his childhood, he was expelled from school for getting into fights repeatedly. He was then sent to a military school in Pakistan. After all that, he never was completely an angel. Threats and drug-related assaults as well as other run-ins with police plagued Ekram. Radical beliefs were a norm for him. At one point, he was referred to something called Prevent, which is a counter-radicalization program, two separate times, but it's unknown if he actually made an effort to attend either one of them. In 2020, he had a six-month stay in Pakistan and ended up on the radar of MI5, Britain's version of our Secret Service slash CIA. He was put on a watch list for a while, but then after he was investigated further, was moved to a lesser list. Even with all his run-ins with police and intelligence, he was never on a list in the U.S. Just months before this incident, it's believed that a sibling of his had passed away. This, combined with his brother claiming he has some mental illnesses, probably launched this attack that I've been talking about today. 
He arrived in America via New York. Authorities believe that when he arrived at the airport, he lied about not having any criminal history. That's how he managed to get in the country. Once here, he listed a hotel as his place of residence, and after that, he left the airport and started his way southwest towards Texas. He traveled via plane, and once in the Dallas area, he spent a few nights in homeless shelters. Somewhere along the way, he managed to hook up with a previous felon who sold him a stolen gun. This likely happened inside one of those homeless shelters he was staying in. The morning of the incident, he reportedly went to a Starbucks, left from there on a bicycle, then headed towards the synagogue. Once there, he entered posing as a homeless person seeking shelter and was welcomed by Rabbi Charlie. He was given a cup of hot tea and everything was fine, aside from bits of his story not really sounding quite right. During the service, as the rabbi turned towards Jerusalem to pray, Akron pulled out his gun and started yelling that he also had bombs. That's when police started being called. Fast forward to a lot later, and the suspect is still inside talking. His main demand was the release of a suspected terrorist and convicted felon by the name of Afia Siddiqui. Siddiqui was convicted of attempted murder and other charges that stem from her attempting to kill a United States Army captain. The ties to terrorism lie with her being suspected to be involved somehow with Al-Qaeda. The suspect in this believed that a high-ranking Jewish official might have enough pull to get Siddiqui released from prison. This wasn't going to be the case at all. The day wore on, and the minutes of this hostage situation turned into hours. The whole thing was still being live-streamed on Facebook until around 2 p.m., and then they cut the feed. By that time, though, police and FBI had accessed the closed-circuit television feed inside the church. A little after 5 p.m., negotiators from the FBI were able to negotiate the release of one of the victims inside. He was unharmed. Hours later, the suspect was growing more and more agitated. It seemed he was starting to realize the release of the prisoner wasn't going to happen. HRT had a team at the ready to make entry at a moment's notice if anything did or looked like it might turn south. Inside the synagogue, over 10 hours after this started, the previously noted agitation had escalated further and turned Akram into being belligerent and threatening. The hostages inside knew something had to be done, and soon, or it could become very violent. They waited for an opening, some sort of chance to get away from Akram. That opening happened when the suspect turned to take a drink. Rabbi Charlie picked up a chair and threw it at him and yelled for the others to run. Video from outside the synagogue showed three hostages bursting through an outside door. Seconds later, HRT made entry.
What you just heard was the FBI's HRT throwing in a flashbang grenade, which is a grenade that is designed to disorient a suspect with an extremely loud and bright flash, followed up by several gunshots. Ackerman was shot multiple times. Nearly 11 hours after this whole thing started, all of the hostages were safe and free, and the suspect was dead. No bombs were ever found on the scene. Start to finish, this was taxing on everyone involved, from dispatchers all the way to the entry team, and of course, all the hostages. Without a ton of training, lots of experience, and a bit of luck, this could have turned out a whole lot worse than what it was. Thanks for listening to this episode of Music City 911. If you want to hear more from this, I'm going to be uploading all the calls in their entirety to Patreon, including the full one-hour, 35-minute call from Rabbi Charlie and the suspect. Also, be sure to follow all social media that I have. They're all listed down in the show notes. And of course, swing by teespring.com slash musiccity911 or just my website, musiccity911.com and pick up a t-shirt or some other cool Music City 911 merch. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.